This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by ExtremeTerrain.com, your Jeep Wrangler parts authority for all things YJ, TJ, JK, and 2018 JL Wrangler related. Extreme Terrain is a leader in providing accurate information and top-notch customer service for the hottest aftermarket Wrangler parts around. Visit ExtremeTerrain.com today and ready your rig for the upcoming season with all the hottest Wrangler parts and accessories. Stay tuned to this episode of the Jeep Talk Show for the official announcement on their updated 2018 JL Wrangler Parts page, which can be found on www.extremeterrain.com. Episode 318, February 1st, 2018. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back. Strap in. And brace yourself. Hey, Josh, uh, you got that Jeep running yet? You know that one you've had in your garage for like a year that hasn't done anything except this take up space? I am both <laughs> shocked test, and test, offended test. that you would ask such a personal <laughs> question at the top of the show, Tony. Uh, it's what I do. Oh, test, Tammy, test. Did, you, did I see a Google Plus post from you this week, last weekend? Is that even still a thing? Ha, 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 Josh. <laughs> um, you know, actually, <laughs> yeah, Google really. Plus is still very popular. And you know what? Speaking of popular things, tonight's guest has a really popular podcast. And later, we'll be talking to Jason Swank, and he's a fellow podcaster and an avid Jeep enthusiast, which he has a Jeep that I call a black Jeep, but it's not really black. So, <laughs> But anyway, you'll have to just listen later and find that out. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And this week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. If you're looking for a way to support the show, well, you got to go to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. And a small fraction from anything you purchase using that link will go to the Jeep Talk Show. If you like what you hear, have gotten any benefit from what we do here, well, then please consider giving back. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. Well, we're going to go ahead and file this one under definitely not twins. If you're shopping for a Jeep Wrangler right now, things might be more than a little confusing. That's because there are two completely different 2018 models on sale. As it ramps up production on the recently introduced next-generation Wrangler on a new production line, right around the corner, Jeep is still building the outgoing model, which is going on, well, what, 11 years old now? But it will be putting the old warhorse out to pasture soon, according to a recent press release, at least. Reports say that the company that supplies the old Wrangler chassis has filed an official heads-up notice of mass layoffs with the state of Ohio. Notice states that it is planning to let 572 workers go due to a discontinuation of production on April 7th. Well, we can now mark the calendars for the day that JK Wrangler is going to be put to rest. That's because the facility where the JK frames are currently coming from is being retooled for the upcoming Jeep Wrangler pickup base. Well, okay, fair trade-off, I suppose. Just when is this plant's retooling supposed to be done anyways, and when will we start seeing the new truck frames rolling out? Well, according to the notice, production is set to resume sometime after April 1st, 2019. God, I hope that's not an April Fool's Day joke. <laughs> Jeep hasn't commented on the report yet or the fact that the truck was supposed to be, supposed to be ready by the 2019 model year, 
Yeah, but uh, the date we're hearing now, you know, what meshes with previous statements from Jeep brand boss Mike Manley, that the pickup would be coming in late 2019. If nothing else, this pretty much confirms that we're going to be seeing the new Jeep truck more later than sooner. As for when we're going to get our first official look at it, well, the new Wrangler was introduced at the Los Angeles Auto Show last fall, so this year's auto show seems like a good bet. Then again, Fiat Chrysler picked the North American International Auto Show earlier this month to unveil the all-new Ram 1500 pickup. So a debut in Detroit next January probably isn't out of the question. Basically, we need to be more patient. I, and I'm not. <laughs> I need I don't this think truck. Any of it's us my are. truck, and I want it yeah. now. You know, I hate to hear about the, the layoffs, but jeep truck that almost makes it worth it uh i mean well, you know because, i'm not being laid off though <laughs> but you no, know what no. the layoffs this happened um when i went to the toledo plant um royal was telling me about it all when they shut down um whatever was made on the jl line i forget whatever was being made they shut that line down and those people were all laid off but they're gonna get their jobs back once the jl that's what i was thinking back, yeah got back up in production so all these people, they're going to get unemployment, um, right. and they're you know then they know they're going to have a job once the pickup starts rolling around. And beer sales will shoot through the roof for six months or something, <laughs> and <laughs> lots of births coming up. And they're all oh, yeah, five months. <laughs> the layoff they're all births. Union workers, and they've got they've got really good benefits. What was that so. uh, that we reported on uh, maybe a year ago now, where the the plant got shut down? Uh, was it a fire or something that happened? I can't remember now. Yeah, but, but that, they were out for like nine months or something, and then they were brought back in. So. They were just kind of, uh, I don't think it was nine months, but it was several months that uh, that they were actually out and then just came back. So uh, I guess that is a, a common thing in the automobile industry. You uh, uh, you know, you're going to be out, but it's kind of like a nice little vacation and you'll be back uh, uh, real soon. Yeah, I don't know if it's industry wide, but FCA Jeep at least has historically taken care of its employees as far as, OK, we've got to retool this. we got to do that. You know, maybe a little severance package. Here's the unemployment, all that. You guys got your job when you, when we're, you know, ready to reopen. Seems to be this is just going to be, you know, kind of business as usual. Well, I got some bad news, Jeepers. The first Jeeper, well, likely the first Jeeper, he has passed. Francis, Aww. Jeep Sanza, a beer truck driver and milkman who got his work experience driving for General George S. Patton during World War wow. II. He died Tuesday at his Victorian home in downtown Napa, California. He was a young 99 years old. Oh, boy, couldn't we all just, well, that would be great. Sansa died in his sleep, said his son, Nick Sansa. A framed picture of his former boss, General Patton, was hanging in the dining room until his very last day. From the preparations for D-Day in May 1944, right up through the landing at Normandy, the Battle of Bulge, and the final push into Germany, Sansa was at the wheel of an open-air Willys Overland with the four-star general in the passenger seat tapping at the windshield with his riding crop the whole time. Everything he did, I saw, Sansa said during a video interview for Profiles in, Val in Valor, produced by the American Veteran Center. He was very good to me. He never scolded me when I was driving him, he said. Sansa was drafted into the U.S. Army in April 1941. He was assigned to the 357th Ordnance Medium Auto Maintenance Company and was sent to North Carolina to field a small but rugged new vehicle made by one Willys Overland Motors. <laughs> the four-wheel drive transport with removable ragtop went into production and came out as the Jeep. As the demonstration held at a secret location for the Supreme Allied Commander, Sansa drove the Jeep into a lake and underwater. When he didn't walk out, but drove out of soaking wet, of course, he had earned his nickname, Jeep. When Patton chose the Jeep as his recon vehicle for the upcoming landing in France, Sansa was recommended 
Hiley to be his driver, field mechanic, and message conduit. Sansa customized the Jeep, which later became known as the War Eagle, by adding bulletproof windows and a machine gun mount in the back. He also rebuilt the engine to make it faster. Sounds like he was definitely, may very well have been at least, the first true Jeeper. He and Patton landed in the second wave at D-Day, Sansa driving the Jeep right up the beach from the landing. From that point until Germany's surrender, if Patton was in a Jeep, Sansa was behind the wheel. Patton never called Sansa by his nickname. Sansa was simply referred to as Soldier. After the Japanese surrender in August 1945, military vehicles, including the Jeep Sansa drove for Patton, were hauled out into the Atlantic Ocean and dumped overboard. One of the biggest mm. travesties in war history, I believe. Sansa finished his tour in November and left the Army as a sergeant. One month later, there was another driver at the wheel of Patton's vehicle when it collided with an Army truck. The force of the crash caused Patton to fly up out of the passenger seat and hit his head on the ceiling. He had broken his neck and he was paralyzed. Patton died of heart failure on December 21, 1945 at age 60. When Sansa heard the news, he cried, his son said. He was very close to General Patton. Sansa and his wife lived in the same Napa house since 1963. At the entryway was a scale model of the very type of Jeep that he drove for Patton. He often drove World War II Jeeps in parades, but he never owned one. Francis Jeep Sansa actually preferred luxury over capability after the war, and he owned Cadillacs instead of Jeeps. But from the pictures on the wall and the model on the front door, it can be said his heart was always in a Jeep. Godspeed, soldier. You know, I've never been a history buff. Uh, I mean, perhaps that's why I didn't know uh, that uh, General Patton wasn't actually George C. Scott. No, <laughs> why, why I didn't know that uh, uh, General Patton had that injury and uh, died at such a really a young age. That's uh, I didn't know that he had that injury in a Jeep, let alone how it happened. Some inside information there. Definitely uh, some interesting stories. And I would I'm sure this guy was just chock full of just the oh, most amazing off-road stories that you could possibly ever come up with. Uh, so I'm going to be looking for that interview um, through that uh, through that video service, um, the the videos of Valor or whatever it was, um, uh, profiles in Valor. Excuse me. Um, really want to check that out. Sounds like some good stories went to that, and some and some just some amazing recount recountments of uh, uh, you know some old war stories. You know, other than the fear of being uh, killed at any moment, that had to have been a very interesting uh, time of life uh, for uh, for that uh, that young man. Well, hey, big thanks to all of you guys out there who help us out each and every week by submitting stories for This Week in Jeep. If you have something we should be reporting on or you have a response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Find out how to interact with the show at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. And guys, coming up later in the show, interview with Jason Swank, fellow podcaster and avid Jeep enthusiast. You guys aren't going to want to miss this. So this will be part one of uh, two of uh, J.K. Axel Camber. Last episode of Jeep Talk Show, Tammy had uh, a question about her camber adjustment and the fact that now her tires aren't the same camber as they were when they were when it was stock and had the smaller tires on and she was wondering if she had to worry about it and kind of be fixed and how much and all these kind of issues and the answer is a little bit complicated for this so uh, we're not going to take care of this all in one episode i'm going to talk about it in general terms tonight and a quick fix and then have some uh, other episodes devoted to the JK Dana axles because they're kind of their own breed now. They have their own quirks and it's just not quite like it used to be in the old days with Dana axles. So we're going to 
talk about the J.K. Rubicon Dana 44 front end tonight, and you'll find that the J.K. Dana 30 axles have the same issue. So whatever uh, it, we say tonight will apply to both axles. The J.K. Dana, Rubic- Dana 44 and the Rubicon is a Dana 44 center. It's a Dana 44 HD center, actually, which is quite strong, and it's made to stand up to the extra stresses that having selectable lockers on both ends puts on a uh, differential gear. But in their wisdom, the uh, engineers at Chrysler have decided that they would put Dana 30 tubes and knuckles and brakes and all of these things on both axles. And it's kind of a slick move on their part. It allowed them to have just one set of Jeep brakes and one set of Jeep knuckles and steering and so forth. And they would be able to have it across the line on all the Wranglers. So if you have a Wrangler, it takes JK brakes. Not a bad deal. The other thing that they did then... They put Dana 44 size tie rods and uh, tie rod ends on. And I went down and measured them, and I think they're a metric equivalent, but they're basically a half ton pickup uh, tie ball or uh, tie rod joint. So you kind of have a mix match hodgepodge here of uh, types of uh, equipment all in one axle. So when the Engineers designed these uh, Dana 30 uh, tubes, C's, knuckles, brakes, wheels, tie rod ends, all of that stuff. They did it with a wheel that has a high amount of offset. And the reason they did this is so that the wheel could have as much straight up and down force as possible. There wouldn't be any uh, rotational force against the Uh, ball joints. And the lower ball joint is a fairly good ball joint. The upper ball joint, though, is really a half ball joint. It really doesn't have a whole ball inside. It's got half of a one with a shaft sticking up out of the flat side. And that sits in a sleeve. And so it has very little surface contact and it can wear out because it just doesn't have the surface contact that the bottom one does. So when you put a wheel with less offset on it, it starts to push against that top ball joint and it starts to deform a little bit. And you'll notice it when you uh, put the weight on these Dana 30 and Dana 44 JK front ends that the wheels start deflecting. The bottom starts moving out as you put the weight on them. And uh, they've done that for years. That's just the way it is. For now, we'll leave it right there. Hope to see you out on the trail. Interesting, interesting information. And that is exactly what Jeff was telling me, um, Jeff at Adrenaline Off-Road, that I'm eventually going to probably have to replace my ball joints and those sleeves there, I'm going to have to fortify them or just get a whole new setup. Um, because they're just not strong enough to deal with the bigger tires. Yeah. Um, Can I chime in real quick about some ball joint 
No. Stories? No, no absolutely not. not. not okay. tonight. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think we had time. Anyway. <laughs> you don't have to ask, Josh. Just so <laughs> my, myself, myself and two other Jeepers, um, all of us drive Cherokees. Um, and uh, they range from 92 up to 2001. And, uh, and mine being a 99. Um, and all of us bought the same the same uh, the same ball joints from the same manufacturer they were the alloy usa brand of, of ball joints both of them have had to replace them within a year wow yeah these are touted as as stronger than factory these were touted as some of the strongest on the market without you know spending you know five or six hundred dollars a corner um but they, these these came highly recommended and at the time i had great reviews now the price, uh, this is a couple years later, has almost doubled. Um, there is no indication that the manufacturing process has changed or that any QC has, has been altered at all in any way, shape, or form. And look, for all intents and purposes, these are the exact same ball joints. I would say that if you are in a position where you are going to be doing some ball joint shopping, it is my professional opinion that you want to stay away from Alloy USA. Yeah, uh, I hate hearing about that. I think I, whenever I was researching it, I remember uh, seeing some little something about those. Uh, not a lot, not enough to warn you away from them. But I think we actually spoke about the that, and I went with the was it Synergy uh, brand? Yeah, I think it was that I were like was the Synergy two fifty yeah. or two seventy five for you know a, a a set you know two for each right. side, and. Uh, you know, I've even had a little problem with uh, with one of them on mine, but it was the one that uh, mm-hmm. attached to the tire that got hit by uh, two different drivers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that well, could that, have something to do with of, that. Yeah, it kind of explains <laughs> it. You definitely got an asterisk next to, next to that one. Yeah. Now, so, so but yeah, both of them, both of them within a year. Now, obviously, my my Jeep's been in the garage for a couple of years now, and and so, but I'm I'm like just waiting for the other foot to fall. You yeah. know, the other shoe to drop at this point. So. Uh, yeah, it's on my radar, uh, as well. So if you guys are out there, you got any good suggestions, uh, for, for, you know, decent ball joints out there. So, Hey, if you guys got an opinion out there about ball joints, well, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about it. Go over to our, our contact page. We've got all sorts of information there, how you can get a hold of us, leave us a voicemail or shoot us an email, anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. Yep. Jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You're listening to a four by four radio network podcast. You most certainly are, you lucky listener, you. And I bet you didn't know that the Jeep Talk Show is just one of the many proud members of the 4x4 Radio Network. Just visit 4x4radionetwork.com. Learn more about all the shows we got there. The 4x4 Podcast, Center Steer Podcast, and the Trail Chasers Podcast. And of course, we're there too. Tammy, Josh, did you know that I actually had word from Cody uh, last week in an email? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't verified the encoding key to make sure it's really him, but he says that he's planning on getting off his dead ass very soon and uh, recording a new interview. <laughs> <laughs> Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Now, that guy's a great interviewer, so yeah, really I hope is. we get some good audio from him. The Trail Chasers podcast is a good show. Hate to see it uh, kind of go into the fate of the mist, so some new content from Cody would be great. I told him to quit playing with that little kid so much, and uh, he'd have more time to for the serious stuff in life, Jeeps and podcasting. Well, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but he doesn't, serious, he doesn't have a Jeep anymore. He has a Toyota. <gasps> Uh, yeah, he got rid of the grant. Anyway, I digress. Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. So I'm all about the top five this year. 
And <laughs> everywhere I look, I keep finding so many cool Jeep accessories to buy. And you're just like, oh, where, what do I buy? Where do I start? And so I started this top five. I'm doing top fives every week. And today is my top five must-have Jeep accessories when you go off-road. Now, remember, this isn't everything, but these are just a few of the tools I feel like you cannot be without when you're on the trails. Now, first and foremost, if you decide to take your Jeep off-road, you should always have an off-road recovery kit. And last week on episode 317, I shared the top five items you should have in this kit. So go over there and take a listen. Now, if you plan on doing a little or a lot of off-roading, no matter what the terrain you're on, you're going to most likely need to air down your tires. So having a great set of tire deflators makes this job so much easier, and I like using the JT Brooks tire deflators. They come in a set of four, so you can air down all four tires at the same time. Now, when you go on the trails, you do not want to go alone. You should really not go alone. It's just not good safety um, smarts. So most likely you're going to be with a group. And if you're in a group, you're going to have to have communication. And that's a key to a great time out on the trails. So it's good to remain in contact with everyone in the group. And the best way to do that is to have a CB radio. So that's another item. Now, another thing um, for a great time out on the trails is to be safe. It's important. And a good fire extinguisher is paramount for that. And it should be considered standard gear for any rig that goes off-road or just any vehicle for that matter. Especially when you're off-road, you're so far away from any help. And it could, be, it could prove to be so beneficial in an emergency. And there are tons of mounting options out there. I like to mount mine on the roll bars in the back. You could just unzip your back windows and you have access to your fire extinguisher. Now what I'm doing is I'm putting them on each roll bar so you don't forget which window it's in. Um, that way you have it in both. Easy access to the, your fire extinguisher. And finally, my number five item that you should have, accessories for off-roading are grab handles. Now I have two different kinds in my Jeep. One set is on the A-pillar and the other set is on the roll bar. I have these wild boar grab handles they're very sturdy. They're made of um, steel. Um, they're mounted in into the A-pillar itself. So they're great for getting yourself up into a lifted Jeep. And especially if you have friends who are shorter and they have a hard time getting up in your Jeep, they're perfect for that. The other grab handles I have are from EK Sports grab handles. They're just Velcroed onto my roll bars those are perfect when you're bouncing around on those bumpy trails, um, especially your passenger can have something to hold on. And I know that you should have two hands on the wheel, but sometimes I tend to have to grab onto something else when I'm driving on the trails, when I'm off camber and all that. Anyway, the other cool thing about those grab handles is they come in a variety of colors, and I bet you can't guess what color mine are. Red. Um, <laughs> Viking purple. Yes, purple people eaters, right? Anyway, these are my top five must-have Jeep accessories when you go off-road. So hopefully this will give you a good start. And maybe I'm missing something that you have in your top five must-have accessories. And what would be really cool is if you go over to our contact page, you can email us or give us a voicemail and give me your five 
off-road accessory items that you think you should have. Yep, yep. So, uh, uh, Tammy, I you know I don't follow professional sports, uh, but I know I think I've seen advertisements. Yeah, I, well, I've seen advertisements for the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, yeah, I believe. So you gotta be no. Well, you gotta be excited with the Vikings in the in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're not Tony. Oh, they're not. Oh. No. <laughs> but they had that, that great. But they had dope. that great game. I mean, I I even remember I know, seeing yeah. how big a deal that was. Where the last few seconds, they yeah, that was they the, caught something oh, or ran over yeah. something or. Yeah. <laughs> that was the most amazing game ever. But then the next weekend was so so. I'm still haven't gotten over that loss. Oh uh, well, see that's that's Very the reason perfect. why I stopped following sports with the uh, the Houston Astros, who actually won the World Series uh, this time. Uh, it was always a, a nightmare watching the, the Astros years ago and the same thing with the Oilers. So I just gave up on all that professional sports stuff. You're always going to lose. You, you are always going to lose when you follow and professional we do sports. As Vikings. The, the hard thing for me is I'm in kind of in Philadelphia Eagle territory. Ah. And those those fans are pretty, pretty bad. But anyway, I'm not going <laughs> to sit and rant and rave about them. But anyway, if you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan or a Vikings fan or any fan, of football, you need to go listen to the Minneapolis mayor's commercial. At the end of the commercial, it's hysterical. Go look it up on YouTube. <laughs> Pretty funny. Uh, gee, Josh, you going to be watching the Super, Super Bowl this uh, this weekend? It is this oh, weekend. I always, I always watch the big game. You know, I heard go them Patriots. say, <laughs> I heard, you, know, you just want the, the whoever beat them, no, the Vikings I, to lose. No, my sons are, are huge Patriot fans. Oh, okay. So instead of. Instead of Philly, Philly, it's Brady, Brady. You know, I heard on the news, and I can't hardly believe this, that 1.3 billion, with an M, as Josh would say, <laughs> 1.3 billion chicken wings are going to be devoured this weekend. Can it you believe the that? Second most Thanksgiving is the biggest food day of the year. The Super Bowl is the second biggest food day of the year. But that's how do you even? There's a lot of chickens walking. Uh, that I mean, they couldn't fly before, but now they can't even flap. It's just so damn sad. Oh my God! 1.3 billion chicken wings. I can't really just come up with that number. And they're this is, and they're not even uh, doing regular chicken wings now. They break them in half. You know, it used to be the whole thing. Now it's just uh, you know they break it and, and there's two parts to a chicken wing now. It's a Jeep podcast. <laughs> it's a Jeep podcast, fellas. Hey, folks, coming up later in the show, it's Nikki G. What's going to come out of his mouth today? <laughs> Nobody knows. Well, hey, guys, we got all kinds of places where you can leave us a review. Take us to task on something or give us a little pat on the back wherever you can find us on the web. Be sure to leave us a comment and give us a five-star review. You got tech questions? Oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Last week, we started talking about the things that you need to know when buying a used winch. We know where to look now and the types of winches that we're likely going to be looking for. Well, in this episode, we're going to get into some of the more common winches you're likely to run into on the used market and some of the more common issues you might find in those winches. Not only that, but we're going to set you up with the know-how how to test and test that used winch that you just got for a song and a dance. Now, a lot of what you're going to be finding out there as far as used winches go are likely going to be older models that have either been left for dead, have been misused and broken, or is the unfinished project of somebody just like you. Some of the brands you're likely to come across are Warren, Ramsey, Mile Marker, Smitty Built, and Super Winch. 
Sure, there are others like T-Max, Kodiak, or Badlands and other Chinese crap that really isn't worth pulling that stubborn <laughs> tooth from a cranky six-year-old's mouth, let alone finding a home on the front of your Jeep. Serviceability and initial quality are the key elements here. If it wasn't made good to begin with or you can't get parts for it, what's the point, right? And when it comes to reputation in both the aforementioned areas, few come with the prestige that Warren does. They've been doing this longer than just about anybody else, and you can still get parts for even some of their oldest winches. From the old uprights like the Bellevue or the very, very sought-after Warren 8274, and if you can get your hands on one of those, it'll be the last winch you ever buy, to the modern VR series, you can rebuild or even upgrade them all. All the other brands will also have product support and part support, but few will come close to the support you're going to get from Warren. So it might be a good idea to keep your radar tuned to, for used Warren winches. D despite the brands that you find or the model you end up going with, we need to make sure that you're not buying a lemon or something that's going to leave you stranded in the middle of a mud hole the third time you use it. And the key to buying a used winch is to know what you're looking at. There's quite a few things happening electrically to make a winch work right, and well, some of it can be overwhelming. Let's make sure you got the right stuff before you head out to look at one, though, so you don't end up spending half the day troubleshooting a boat anchor. Now, when you head out to look at a used winch, we'll be sure to bring a 12-volt battery with you and some power leads or at least a set of jumper cables with you so you can test the winch to see if it even works. Now, sometimes someone might be selling a winch they thought didn't work. Come to find out, all that happened was it got hooked up wrong or a wire came loose. Look at the overall condition of the winch itself. Is it a painted winch? How does the paint look? Is it rusty? Pay special attention to the bolts and mounting gear. Are they stripped? Rusty? What's the condition of the cable? Find out if it's the original, and if so, how old it is. If it's synthetic winch rope, be sure to look for fraying and or tears. That's going to be a sign you're going to need to throw that away. Then look for a fair lead and see if there's a lot of wear on that. And don't forget the condition of the controller as well. These can all be great indicators of how well the previous owner took care of the winch, but aren't necessarily deal breakers if you are aware of what you're going to be getting into and what you're going to need to replace or rebuild. And next comes the actual testing. Be sure and use at least a set of jumper cables to test or verify if the winch works or not. That speaker cable, well, that's just not going to cut it. It doesn't matter if it looks great. If that winch don't pull, well, you're in for a lot more work than you may want to get into. So inspect the housing really good and really check out the wiring and solenoid packs. Any crimps in the wiring, well, it could be a potential break. So if it's spliced together mess, you're going to be in for some rewiring as well. Watch out for excessive oxidation on the solenoid connections. That's going to be a dead giveaway that they need some cleanup or replacement. Also look for hot spots on the wire studs. This indicates a poor installation and means at the very least at some point the connections were loose enough to cause arcing. and That can lead to serious motor or solenoid problems. When you're testing a winch, if it powers in and out, well, you want to listen for grinding or popping noises. Those can indicate broken bits in the drivetrain drivetrain of a good winch can be rebuilt, but parts are going to add up kind of quickly, so you're also going to want to check for cracks in any of the winch's housings. Cracks can indicate internal damage or massive overloading of the winch, and cracks will also allow water to get in where it shouldn't and damage internals. Honestly, I, I would just avoid any winch with cracks in the housing unless it was free or nearly free and might have some usable parts. Okay, let's say you've checked out the, all the things we've listed here, and the winch seems to be in good or great working order. Well, there are still a few other considerations before forking over the cash to take a look at. Now, not all these things will matter to everybody, but still they're worth mentioning so you have a better idea of what you're looking at. Does the winch have a reverse? You don't like to free spool? Well, this is important. What about manual brake and clutch? Does it have those and are they in working condition? What type of drive is it? Is it spur, worm, or planetary? Which one do you prefer? Now, they all have their advantages. Do some research. 
Does it have new or rebuilt motor, and is it set up with a remote switch? Look closely all around the cooling fins as well. Too much buildup could spell some trouble. Now, you can save yourself a bunch of money on a winch if you follow these guidelines and find a diamond in the rough. You may find an excellent deal that just needs a little bit of cleanup and attention, just a little TLC. But you're going to need to use your eyes, your hands, and a checklist of the things we've covered here to avoid buying a boat anchor and paying more for something that you didn't, well, you should have. Well, I hope this helps, Jeeper. If nothing else, you've got a better understanding of things to look for when buying a used winch. Would you buy a used winch, Josh? I have bought a used winch in the past, actually. And in fact, in fact, the, the winch that's currently on my Jeep is a used winch. A second owner. I'm the second owner. Uh, and I got it from, a, uh, from somebody who I knew. And I kind of knew the winch's history, where it had been, where he got it from, how it was used, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, you know, I was, it was a comfortable buy for right. me. Now, is it in pristine condition? No, I've used it a bunch. It's been out in the weather some as well. And, and uh, you know, it could use a cleaning. And, but the cable's in good condition. It works. And the, uh, the solenoid pack has been relocated to underneath the hood out of the elements. And so that's a little bit more protected than, other, than it otherwise would be. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's getting taken care of. But, uh, you know, they all need a little bit of maintenance and love every now and again. So... Uh, but man, it's, it's been invaluable. That's great. Uh, better, uh, better luck with uh, that than your buddies have had with those, uh, synergy, not synergy, the, uh, what were oh, the, alloy uh, USA ball yeah, joints. The alloy yeah. USA ball joints. Um, so let me ask you this question. Um, Dude, what do you think, uh, cover for your winch or no cover? Well, that really, I think depends on a number of things. One is going to be your, your typical environment. Now, if, look, if you're in Arizona, it's, it's Northern oh, yeah, Texas, California, where you really don't see hardly any rain, yeah, maybe not that big of a deal. You never see any snow. Your Jeep's always garaged. Mm -hmm. Not really a big deal. But if you're out here like in the Northwest or out back East, or you're somewhere where there's a lot of salt on the roads, or, you know, you've got a true four season year every year, you know, well, you might want to throw a cover on that winch, especially if the Jeep is parked outside. So I was thinking that it would be kind of like, uh, the, uh, shock covers, uh, because there's a whole thing about, do you want the, the, the shaft covers on there or not? One, uh, holds moisture in and can rust, uh, the internals of the, uh, the shaft on the, uh, the shock and uh, I was thinking the same thing for the uh, the cover on the winch if you if you cover the winch and it's wet outside a lot uh, that that's the direction I thought you were going about it being so wet up there in, in your part of the country I would think that would actually be detrimental to the to the to the winch well it can't it, you know if your cover really doesn't cover it all that much now some of them are are you know barely canvas and they barely go around the bottom and they don't cinch up well you're going to get a lot of moisture and stuff inside of them now look you know it's it's not you know out of sight out of mind thing this just like anything else it it needs to be you know taken care of every so often you got to pull that cover off you got to wash it out you got to you know, dust the, the winch off a little bit, wipe Holy it crap. down, maybe sew some 303 oil on there. I mean, come on, you know, you got to take care of your stuff. Talking about maintenance here, man. That's, uh, yes, that's a little a lot of work. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Damn Jeep. Uh, I just want to drive the thing. I don't have to take care of it. <laughs> so you don't, uh, so I guess what, really what you're saying is, is that a cover can be very useful, but you can't just uh, shoot and forget. It, it's something that you do exactly. have to maintain like most things. Very well put, Tony. Well, hey, Jeepers, in the meantime, if you guys have a question about Jeep tech, mods, electrical, or anything Jeep-related, send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. And, of course, coming up in March, we'll be interviewing our very special guest, Andy, from Warren. That's right, guys. You heard it here first. <laughs> the Jeep Talk Show. It's not about us. It's about you, the listeners. It's Tim from Torrance. 
Hey Jeepers, this is uh, Rob San Antonio, Texas. Hey guys, it's Cody with TrailChasers.net with another grand adventure. Hey guys, this is Cody from Indiana. Hello Chief Talk Show crew, this is FJ Rick. Hi guys, this is Joe. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he naked or homeless? Hey guys, this is Ron out in Arizona. Hey, what's up? Jeep Talk Show, this is Jason, Oregon Trail Off-Road. Hi. This is Jake from California, and I'm sitting here eating pork rinds for breakfast. Hey, this is uh, PAG Freak. Hey, Tony, Josh, Danny, Sexy, Jake, Colin. This is John, Bird Runner in 1982, and on today's radio context segment, I'm going to talk about APRS, an anal probe restraint system. No! No, no, that's not right. We love our listeners. You know, there's not a whole lot of people that really understand the deal with the pork rinds for breakfast thing. That's 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 some old school inside baseball for the deep talk show right there. <laughs> that was great. I love that thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the highly anticipated launch of the 2018 JL Wrangler, the guys and gals over at ExtremeTerrain.com have been hard at work perfecting their 2018 JL Wrangler parts page. It's pretty awesome if I do say so myself. This page is created and compiled to document the leaks and speculation around the new 2018 JL Wrangler, and it has made itself a valuable resource in the off-roading community. In Extreme Terrain's latest update, they have added three really cool 2018 JL Wrangler concept Jeep renderings in three flavors. My favorite, Apocalypse Jeep, they got the Beach Jeep, and of course, Overland Jeep. Each rendering, as different as the next, showcases a unique theme along with an array of corresponding aftermarket parts designed to take the JL Wrangler to the next level. You definitely need to check this out. Super cool stuff here. While on the page, viewers will be able to read up on the backstory, view the different parts list, and even find out which front bumper is best for pushing through a horde of zombies. <laughs> Seriously, you never know. Doomsday could be right around the corner. Don't, want, don't you want to be prepared? Well, please visit extremeterrain.com slash 2018-jeep-wrangler-parts.html. We're going to have that link on the show notes. Don't worry about it. Or you can click the link in the show notes, guys. We're going to have that there for you over at Jeep Talk, jeeptalkshow.com to check out these awesome-themed concept JL Wranglers. Let us know which one is your favorite. For all the things Jeep Wrangler, put your trust in the team at extremeterrain.com. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. How to neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited. We have a really special guest tonight. His name is Jason Swank. He's an avid Jeep enthusiast and a fellow podcaster. And Jason, welcome to the Jeep Talk Show. And my first question I have to ask you is, what color is your Jeep? <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. Uh, so it's the Granite Crystal. And that color, people might not know exactly what kind of color that is. What would you compare gray. it to? Gray? <laughs> it's, it's gray? Maybe black? Is it a little black, maybe? I was just going to say, give us the manly color on that yeah. thing. It's gray. You know, not the, let's not go with the mauve type huh. thing. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess in Instagram, a lot of times I'll do some filters on it, and sometimes it looks silver, sometimes it looks black. So Right. So, um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your Jeep and just like what you do and your podcast and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, uh, 
I'm, I'm Jason Swank. I'm addicted to Jeeps. Uh, <laughs> I have a problem. I yeah. always <laughs> love when the UPS guy or FedEx guy pulls up with Jeep parts. <laughs> no, so I've owned a Jeep. Uh, I guess my first Jeep I owned was a 2006 TJ and uh, got it and loved it and had that for about a year and then uh, got a 2012 JK when it came out and loved it and just started building it up and you know I always liked the camaraderie of uh, you know wheeling with people and seeing what it could actually do I mean that that literally amazed me I remember when I went wheeling and uh, you know been doing it ever since and uh, you know what I do for work uh, you know I'm a I'm a media company for uh, ad agencies where I uh, have a podcast for them and uh, that fuels my uh, Jeep obsession. Now, I have a quick question about that. Um, now, you, uh, we were talking before the, uh, before the interview and you used to have a company that you did business. Was, uh, was that your, your way into getting these people to uh, buy into your podcast? Is that the context that you had or did you actually have to uh, market your podcast to some to new, new customers? Well, you know, when, when I started doing the podcast, I didn't know what a podcast was. I mean, literally it was like five years ago and I literally started interviewing people, uh, on Google hangout mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it was back and forth and a buddy of mine said, well, why don't you convert that into a podcast? I'm like, what's a podcast? And then I started researching <laughs> it and, uh, and I was like, that's stupid. I was like, who's going to listen to you know audio on the computer and he's like dude you can have it on your iphone or android i'm like oh okay well let me try it out and then when i did that you know my business just took off because i was able to reach people all over the world and it's uh, it's pretty cool i mean literally just with the phone you could have a podcast or a show and reach people yeah a lot of people don't understand that uh i've uh, i've run across a few people uh, since we've been doing this podcast for a little while and they say, ah, I just don't have all the money to invest. I don't have the time to learn it. I say, really, it's just load an app on your phone and, and record it. And then for five bucks a month at Lipson, you can publish it. So it's just so much power at your fingertips. The Internet is just such a wonderful thing uh, where you can do this talk radio thing uh, for just a fraction of what the radio, actual radio stations do it for. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been a talk radio fan, so it was just uh, kind of like a natural thing uh, to, uh, to do a podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I struggled with it in the beginning because, you know, I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm an introvert uh, when I don't know anybody or if I don't have anything in common with them. Yeah. And so, you know, being on, you know, hearing your voice, like, God, no one wants to hear, hear your own voice. And uh, I would always think, be like, no one wants to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. And now people, when, when you're out in like a, a specialty conference or stuff like that, and they recognize you just from your voice, it, it just freaks you out. And it's because of the podcast, which is unbelievable. And like you were saying, I mean, you could download an app anchor and you don't even have to pay five bucks right? That's <laughs> and true. have your podcast. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, uh, well, we don't, wanna, uh, it's, it's fun to talk podcasting when you, when you do it for, for so long, like we both have. And I, I had to chuckle whenever you said the, uh, about hearing your own voice, we had a, a big problem with Tammy on that. She goes, she would be listening to her, 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 to herself talk and, uh, oh, I just don't like hearing myself. I just don't like hearing myself. Tammy, you'll get used to it. I guarantee you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't think she ever did though. Um, no, cause you hear yourself differently. Yeah, you do. When you're listening to yourself on the radio or you know, recording than you do when you just talk. So it's, it's hard. Yeah, and that's how other people hear you. <laughs> right. And <laughs> you're like, Oh my so God. No. Right. 
Oh, how often? You think you sound cooler than you really do? Huh. How often uh, do you uh, do you put your show out uh, uh, for people to download? So I have two shows. Uh, one is once a week, which is interview style, where I bring on a guest, and another one is Monday through Thursday, where it's kind of like a daily vlog and business tips that I just put out there. That's great. That's a lot of work. Uh, we do. We've been doing this weekly show for a number of years now, and. Uh, uh, Tammy and I were actually doing a second show there for a while, and uh, just doing two shows a week was was tough. So, uh, do you uh, so so you have a, at least a, one interview a week then? I do, but you know, a lot of times you can batch these things, right? So you can uh, load them up in the beginning of the year, and you're done. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, it's, it's still a lot of work to record all those things. Do you uh, have you run across uh, any uh, interviewees, and, and certainly we don't want to mention any names where you get the really short answers or the really long pauses? Yes. Does does that kill you? The, the pauses just kill Josh and I. Yeah, they're usually the bigger name ones. And you would think, be like, this guy's going to be an amazing interview and all this. And then I ask a question. They're like, yeah. <laughs> like, can you elaborate on that? Right. I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> And you're thinking to yourself, damn, this is going to be a lot of editing on this one. <laughs> well, no, there's no editing. I just delete it. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so what your podcast, you know, you interview, you know, you say you interview people. Is it like for the business field or like what are, what are the. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'll like interview uh, Tony from Zappos and I'll talk about his culture or, uh-huh. uh, you know, I'll interview, um, you know, this chief marketing officer of uh, Coke, people like that. Okay. Do you but get nothing to do with Jeeps. Jeeps are your side hobby. That, yeah, that's my side hustle that right. I make no money in, that I just <laughs> right. love. <laughs> right. Have you ever uh, made a business contact or made a business contact better because of the Jeep interest? Not for the Jeeps, but when I used to race cars, I did. Oh, I, bet. I landed, yeah. Lo- yeah, Lotus Cars, uh, that account from that. So I'm sh- I'm sure you know eventually I'll I'll land some uh, business contacts, but I always try to keep you know personal and business separate. I just don't want to mix it. Yeah, sometimes just in the uh, the sharing of a podcast, uh, sometimes you find that you you have similar interests, and of course, you know, you mentioned you're an introvert. Uh, I am very much the same way. Uh, if I know I have a, a common subject with somebody, a common interest, it makes it a lot easier. And, of course, that's where the, uh, the the Jeep comes in. I mean, if you see somebody in a Jeep, you know you immediately have something that you can talk uh, talk to them about. Yeah, I, I mean, when you first get a Jeep and everybody's waving to you, you're like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> right. Am I in the country? And now it's, now it's kind of like when someone doesn't wave to you, you want to turn around and ram into right. them. Oh, you, exactly. sound like, you sound like Tammy now. Yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> So why, why the name Jeeper X? You know, the, the thing, when I started creating videos, um, you know, for Jeeps, and that's really how I started doing videos altogether, which has helped my business. I started watching the way of life videos and I really liked it. I was like, man, you know, I need to come up with a brand. I'm a marketing guy. And so I just kept thinking, I was like, well, you know, extreme Jeeper. Okay. Kind of Sesame street it. And uh, just put it together and then just started doing videos on it. And, you know, a couple people liked it and a couple more people. And now it's just, uh, you know, just building it bigger and bigger and, you know, see where it goes. I just want to be invited on the cool rides. That's why I do it. Right. I know. <laughs> well, you're um, on your um, YouTube page. You have um, 
a couple of videos here with the Jeep with the red beadlocks. Um, yep, that's mine. That's yours. Why do it? It does look black though. No, it's uh, it's gray. <laughs> it's an illusion. Yep. I yep. know. It's a it's, trick. It's like that dress. So that was yellow or blue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Yeah. Maybe I'm <laughs> I mean, colorblind. That, I mean, that's that's why I got that color, though, right? You know, it just sometimes it looks black, sometimes it looks gray, right. sometimes silver. You know, metallic. I mean, you know, it just. I don't know. I, that's why I got that color versus it, any other one. It's good. It throws the police off whenever you do those uh, off-road, yeah. uh, illegal go. off-road yes. activities. It was a gray Jeep. It was a black Jeep. All you people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, other so, than the big Jeeper X on the side. Oh, uh, you know, like, well, yeah. see, there you've screwed that, yourself. They put that decal on there. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this. This is more of a technical question. Um, if uh, if you were uh, if you had a, a situation where you were missing a D ring, would you expect that D ring to have fallen off by itself because you didn't tighten it, or somebody stole it? Someone and stole it. A single, <laughs> See, a single, you. a single D ring. Yes. One out of four. Only one yeah. is missing. I I would think someone got one stolen and they needed a replacement. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, I had one stolen, and they're all telling me it just fell it off. It fell off. Tammy didn't no, tighten it properly. Come on, no, 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 <laughs> no. I t- thank you. I tighten all my bolts, including yep. my earrings. <laughs> so, where in Atlanta can you go off roading? Man, we got tons of places. So, um, we go to Chuckaluka Mountain in Alabama. We uh-huh. go to Morse Mountain in Alabama, which is about an hour, an hour and a half. Okay. We'll go to um, Adventure Off Road Park in Tennessee. Then there's an amazing place right down the road from that called the Cove, where literally you can drive in a cave that's probably oh, wow. 30 feet high and go, you know, really deep in it. Now, if you make it out, my buddy Donald doesn't really make it out. We had to stay overnight because of him. But oh my you know, goodness, got that, that. I'm sorry. Oh, I just said, oh my goodness, staying yeah. overnight in a cave. Yeah, Freaky. you got to check out that video. That that was a good one because we were there till like four in the morning getting him out. And then uh-huh. uh, there's places in uh, there's the Gulches in South Carolina, which right. is a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, there's there's North Georgia mountains. I mean, there's there's so many places around here. We're really lucky. Now it's not like Moab or Colorado and that kind of stuff, but right, um, it's still a, a blast. Which we we are going out in uh, March for uh, Easter Jeep, so I can't wait. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Are you taking your Jeep then, or? Oh, trailering yeah. it and or we're driving? driving it out there okay there's about six of us uh, that we're driving out there and most of them are pulling little tr- um the camping trailers so right. that'd be experience camping in this thing for nine days oh it's it's fun i went to moab but i didn't take my jeep i rented a jeep from an uh outfitter and it wasn't enough time and I want to go out there with my own Jeep and that there's just so many trails out there and it, you, you're going to have a blast. It's exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, so tell us about your Jeep. Like yeah. it's lifted, what kind of tires, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a 2017 uh, Rubicon hard rock edition. Um, I, we have a 37 inch Nitto uh, trail grapplers on it with uh, ATX beadlock wheels, a three and a half Rubicon Express lift with uh, you know the Terraflex um, tie rod and um, the um, what is it uh, the drag link which makes a huge difference. We have all the right. ball joints replaced. 
we have the the gussets, the the, um, the sleeves on the front axle to support those 37s. We have all kinds of armor under it, uh, which are all Rubicon Express um, skid plates, you know, on the fuel tank and right. uh, the tranny and transfer case. I mean, the, the stock ones were just tore up. I, I literally, me and uh, my buddy Josh, we were joking around. We can only fit like three-fourths of a tank in our gas because it's so oh, banged no. up. Right. So you wheeled the, it when it was stock before you did all the changes. Oh, yeah. Like, literally, um, the first week I took it to the Adventure Off-Road Park. Uh-huh. And and the the funny thing was I tore the bottom out all together, but the stock Jeep, we went everywhere the 37s went yeah. and we went right. on every trail there. So it's, um, you know, the Jeep's really capable. A lot of people don't know the stock can do a lot. I mean, right. the Rubicon one with, um, you know, the lockers and the disconnect, but. Uh-huh. <laughs> so how long have you been off-roading then? Uh, when I got the 2012 we did that for about two years and then uh, sold it, got back into uh, racing cars. And then my wife kind of made me stop that and then uh, picked up the Jeep uh, last year and then uh, just hit it hard again. And I don't think I'll ever get out of it now <laughs> that no. I had a sport and, you know, I, I didn't understand when I was upgrading the Jeep. I never understood the difference between the different brand names out there. And so I was always buying the cheapest price, you know, cheapest parts. And so right. my Jeep just was all over the place and I hated driving it. And so I said the next, if I ever do buy a Jeep again, I'm going to get the best of the best. And so I kept ju- buying the best parts and now it drives like a Cadillac down the road. Oh yeah. It makes a huge difference. You ought to tell him about the uh, steer smarts, Tammy, because uh, that uh, steer, steer sparks made a big difference right. for you. Yeah. Um, it's called the Yeti. It's their um, steering system. Um, and it's the drag link and the tie rod, and they have a steering attenuator attached to it, which helps the jittery steering and the um, the bump steer. Um, but it's steersmarts.com. Yeah, very it, cool. It really has made a, a huge difference for uh, for Tammy. Uh, we had uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, main, the main guy, uh, Ron, on a couple of times, and uh, I've I've never experienced one, but Tammy has it on her Jeep, and she just. Uh, uh, says the highway driving is so nice now. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, I, I when I put the third, cause I had 35s on before I went to 37s, I kind of did what everybody else does, right? Like little upgrades. And when I put the 37s on and we upgraded the, you know, ball joints and all of that, man, the thing was pulling and it was scary. Like literally, like mm-hmm. I was like, we're going to die. <laughs> and so then we got, you know, the Terraflex, um, control arms that we could adjust and we could, you know, change the different, you know, um, kind of put it back to stock, uh, you know, for, for the steering, but I had a Fox steering stabilizer and I took that off and I can tell you the thing drives perfect. I can go 85 down the interstate, take my wheels off and it goes perfectly straight. (laughs) See, I would be afraid to take it off, but they say, you know, you, you can drive without your steering stabilizer. So. Yeah. Well, as long as I, I think, and what the the shop that did this, uh, you know, for me, which was Fortech, they were telling me with the stock ones, they're just so you know the ball joints are all wore out, and and the reason why you need this steering stabilizer. I'm not a mechanic. I mean, I can kind of fix stuff, but why you have the steering stabilizer on it is because all the other stuff are weak. But when it's all in alignment and it's all in really good shape, you don't need it. Yeah, there's, uh, there's quite a few people that uh, are driving around without uh, steering stabilizers and sway bars. 
Uh, we yeah, don't well, we don't necessarily well, no. we don't necessarily <laughs> recom- recommend that because you really have to know what you're doing. It's like steering a boat uh, when you don't have that uh, that stabilizer. But uh, there's a lot of people that do that. I mean, once you start getting into the heavy duty modifications, uh, a, uh, a sway bar isn't the uh, the best thing in, in the world to have uh, in the way, so to speak. No. So, Jason, is your Jeep your daily driver as well? It is, but I work from home too, so. <laughs> oh. uh, so it's really just going to uh, Starbucks, right? Yeah, man, it's just going to the gym or picking up my kids. I'm Uber for my kids. That's, that's yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> do they uh, do they rate you uh, highly, or do they get a lot of back talk? Oh, they got all back talk. What are you talking about? Uh-huh. <laughs> but do they do your work, kids work for the other company then? Right. That's right. Do they like your Jeep? Do your kids like your Jeep? Or oh, they oh they love it. Yeah. yeah, they don't love it like when I embarrass them pulling up in school and start blaring the horn or you know doing stupid stuff. But uh, right, but yeah, they like it. <laughs> so, do you prefer mud or rocks or sand Rock. or what's your? So I've never been on sand. Yeah, neither that, have I. That, that intrigues me. So. Um, but uh, I love rocks. I hate mud. Oh, I can't stand mud. I think yep. mud is a lot of fun. Uh, it's just uh, the part that, that really sucks is the uh, two or three hour cleanup and then the cleanup of the cleanup, you know, getting it off your driveway or wherever wherever all it is uh, accumulated. Yeah. I mean, if, if I didn't have to clean it, it'd be fun because it's like driving on ice and snow and yes. you can slide around and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I just don't want to clean it. It takes too long. <laughs> Exactly. I think that's the, the 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 highest percentage of people that don't like mud. It's the it's the cleanup that kills them. And uh, of course, we know rocks are uh, relatively clean. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. I, and I just love the rocks because you can yeah. just every line is different, and it's just uh, it's a lot of fun trying to tackle it and and seeing like how how far over you can really push it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like the mud because I just don't know what's in there and i don't know what i could hit and i don't like the not being able to see what's underneath yeah tammy's oh, so the same way with water the atlantic ocean then no in maryland no no <laughs> i used to live in south carolina in charleston and i like maybe went to my ankles on the beach so no mm-hmm. now you were mentioning a lot of places to go off-roading in the uh, the deep south is that your uh, stomping grounds is that where you're originally from is the south no, I'm originally from Long Island, even though I don't sound like it. Um, all uh, all the rednecks took me over, uh, yeah. and so now I sound like one of them. But uh, yeah, you know. But I've been down here since, gosh, I was 15. Uh, but I love it. Uh, but we did just buy a place in Durango, Colorado, so we'll eventually uh, move out there when my kids are older. Have you done any wheeling in Colorado? No, not yet. Well, actually, I take that back. Not in a Jeep. We actually went over Orr's Pass, if you guys have ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were driving back from Telluride to Albuquerque, and my wife had on the GPS. And we were driving like a, a Taurus, uh, like a, you know, just oh, not an off-road car. I mean, it was a two-wheel drive SUV, and it took us over this Orr Pass. And we're like, what is this going? And I told my buddy about it, and he goes, my gosh, people die on that all the time. I mean, literally, I was having to ram, like, this car was shredded underneath <laughs> when we got back. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. As long as it's a rental, that's, uh, that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Jason. So uh, I know that uh, people would like to uh, follow you on some of your adventures, maybe even uh, follow you on some of your uh, podcast adventures. How can uh, people uh, catch up with you on the social media and all those things that kids are doing these days? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, on uh, if you want to follow the Jeep and our adventures, the best place to go is on YouTube. And you just go to YouTube and put in YouTube slash Jeeper X. And the same thing is with Instagram, but I had to do the underscore X, uh, you know, for Instagram where we post all our adventures on that too. But we got tons of adventures and tons of little videos that we're putting out and using the drone and uh, putting some music behind it. So love for you guys to check it out and just comment and love to meet you guys. Now, uh, you, you do the marketing uh, type podcast. Is, uh, did I say mm-hmm. that correctly? So how, yeah, do, so how would people, yeah, if they're if, interested if in marketing? Learn more about that. Uh, this is a real easy URL for you swank.it and swank is spelled with an e and it will take you a link to both podcasts especially if you're on the marketing side you'll see the smart agency masterclass or uh on the business side it's the swank today show and that's on alexa and all the you know spotify and everything so excellent well we really appreciate you uh, spending time with us tonight and uh thank you for uh, jumping in there and filling up our slot uh, so quickly too because i was in a bit of a panic we were trying to get some guests lined up for uh, february and and you said hey how about february 1st And i'm like ding 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 perfect <laughs> <laughs> no problem well thanks for having me on all right man well yeah uh, thanks we'd love jason to, love to have you back sometime very very soon definitely thanks i think i did a really good job uh keeping him keeping myself from asking him all 300,000 questions I have about online marketing. <laughs> yeah, I was trying really hard to keep going so you went. <laughs> start talking about the uh, Super Bowl? So, no, yeah. <laughs> it was a great conversation with Jason, and uh, thank, thank you again, Jason, for making the time to be on the show with us. Hey, do you guys have an idea for a guest? Maybe you want to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Well, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and share your idea for our next great guest. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, first off, I'd like to apologize for the audio. Uh, Sir Craps a lot is really going to town on a chew toy. <laughs> now that I said that, he stopped. No, he's going back at it. Uh, I want to apologize for my rant against Nate last week. I didn't really realize it was a rant. It was more like a, just a general complaint. Uh, I've got mad respect for Nate. I uh, enjoy his YouTube channel. You should check it out, SWB Crawler. Uh, he's got a lot of good information and a lot of good how-to videos. And uh, with that being said, I thought it was very nice that Dave called in last week and invited Josh to lunch. And uh, I would like to invite myself to lunch with uh, Dave and Josh. (laughs) Just as long as you guys go for some real food and not that uh, hippie crap you guys on the West Coast like to enjoy a lot. Uh, A second thought, I don't want to take the chance. Uh, I respectfully decline your invitation to lunch, Josh. Please don't take it personally. But uh, Nick's got to get some meat and potatoes. All right. Well, that being said, I guess I'll just check. Man, he is going to town on that. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. Oh, hey, sir. Crap. Damn thing off now. <laughs> oh, Speak sir. pipe. Why do you mock me so? 
Oh, you got to love Sir Craps a lot. Got to love that name, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, folks, it's time for Jeep Mama's product review. And on episode two, 316, two episodes ago, I mentioned this cool new product that Brian from um, Route 16 Off-Road told me about. And it's the two-ton big wheel off-road jack called The Beast. And it was the winner of the best off-road slash four-wheel drive product from SEMA. And it's from Pro Eagle Designs and manufacturers of one of the best high-performance off-road jacks there is. So anyway, Brian was able to take this jack out a couple of weekends ago when he went out to Uari with some friends and some Jeepers. And they tested it out. Let's hear what they thought about it. Ron Plummer here with Route 1-6 Off-Road. I'm here with Pat Bird from Nomad Jeeps. We're talking about the Pro Eagle uh, Beast Jack 2-Ton. And Pat's going to tell us a little about himself and talk about his experience using a jack. Hey, I'm Pat Bird from Nomad Jeeps here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm testing out this brand new awesome jack that we've got out here on the trail today. I can't say enough good things about this. Uh, the, the wheelbase that's on here to keep you rolling around in the sand and in the dirt. The ease of use going up with this jack and down i mean it's absolutely amazing you've got the different adapters that you can put on for different ride heights so seamless very easy to use a child could actually jack this up any kind of vehicle uh super quick going up and down and the mobility of it like i said on dirt you just can't you can't beat this thing now pat you work in a shop as well for a living too so you know you work with you know floor jacks you look with the ones that the lifts and everything else how would you compare to the stuff that you have on a day-to-day -day business oh man this thing's so much better than your standard shop jack i mean everybody knows this uses jack if you run over a zip tie you stop and this thing having the wheels on it like it does will roll right over anything that you can throw at it it's very lightweight easy to maneuver around so much better than a standard shop jack okay so you heard here from a trail leader with nomad jeeps as well as professional out in the industry so go ahead and check out the pro eagle uh two-ton the beast jack and you're going to be able to purchase those at www.route16.com pretty soon you know, I was just going to ask if it would pass the zip tie test, and uh, they they covered that. <laughs> and that's funny because Clyde mentioned that when we interviewed him um, a couple episodes ago about the zip tie and how that's one of the issues with just your regular jack in the shop. Yeah, any little piece of missing concrete in the floor, or uh, any little, uh, especially a, a power cord or airline, is you're you're just you're stuck. <laughs> right. That's what forearm strength is for. Just, uh, just pick it up. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have that kind of strength. No, I know, I know. You yeah. need to have, uh, you need to have the weights there next to you during the show, Tammy, yeah. just, and be pumping that iron. <laughs> just while. over there, just bulking up. Power <laughs> 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 lifting, Tammy. Hey, folks, do you have an idea for a product review? Just go visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear about as our next product review. And coming up in a few minutes, folks, wheel and wear. Get ready. Here we go. <laughs> you never know what you're going to have for wheel and wear. <laughs> All right, let's do a little Cherokee love. And, you know, as we've been doing here, uh, doing this segment, uh, the, the, this kind of, this certainly goes along with the Cherokees, but uh, it, it, it's often true for many of the Jeeps, you know, the Jeeps with the, uh, the four wheel drives, the, uh, the front axles, the front solid axles, uh, so on and so forth. And, uh, th this week we're going to do how much lift do I need? 
Boy, that's a hell of a question. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure we've all seen the memes where you get a good uh, three feet of uh, lift on uh, something with uh, uh, <laughs> 27 inch tires. It's always fun to look at. It's it's one of those really open ended questions. Um, now, without going into too much detail, the whole reason for a lift, besides looking cool uh, and being able to see uh, what's going on in traffic when you're driving back and forth in that stop and go uh, traffic jam, uh, is you need to be able to clear larger tires. So that's the reason why you do a lift. Now, some vehicles, not the Cherokee, you could do a uh, body lift or a suspension lift. Uh, generally speaking, my preference is always going to be the suspension lift over a body lift. Um, you can do both. Uh, like on the uh, the, the Wranglers, uh, certainly uh, you'll run into people that have you know a two or three inch body lift and a four to six inch uh, suspension lift. And yeah, you are going to get a 10 inch lift out of that. The whole reason for that is clearing the tires. Well, why do you need big tires? What do big tires do for you? They raise the axle above because that's the lowest point of your Jeep and, and should be in all cases um, is where that differential, the bottom of that differential, uh, it, that's going to be your closest uh, contact to the ground. So larger tires means that differential is raised up, which means you have something less uh, bulky to be caught on rocks or mud or uh, zombies if you're going through a zombie apocalypse. So it's, it all ties together. It's not just looking cool and not just being able to see over everybody else. It all ties into getting that differential up off the ground so that you can go further off-road. So really, what size lift do you need? Well, how much clearance do you need? What are you doing? Are you doing rocks? Are you doing mud? Are you doing zombies? I want to go to a zombie park. I don't know about you guys. That would be that would be a lot of that would be really cool. Would be expensive though for the extras. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, because you're gonna need a lot of ammunition <laughs> going to a, a park like that. But uh, you know, that's beside the beside the point. So, so what do you think? I mean, what what size? What is a size a good size lift? I mean, you have to be concerned about center of gravity. You have to be concerned about cost. Uh, this is one of those questions where you know you have to put about five or six questions in front of this question yeah, before yeah. you can answer this question. <laughs> so, and when you said open ended question, I mean that's I mean th that's definitely paints the right picture because you know there's a lot of other stuff that you've got to figure out before you can figure out how much lift do I need. You know, and, and a lot of that does come down to, okay, what are your plans with the vehicle? Uh, you know, if, if this is just going to be a daily driver and you want a little bit more attitude, well, then you probably don't need a whole lot of lift. But if this is, you know, if the ultimate plan is to, well, this thing's going to be retired in a couple of years, it's going to be a weekend warrior, I'm eventually going to put a cage in it, you know, that, that sort of thing. And well, then you probably want to get a little bit more up in the air and you're going to need a little bit more lift for a little bit bigger tires because you're going to be attacking, you're going to be tackling a little bit more tougher terrain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you got to answer before you can start, you know, filling in a number in that box. Tammy, what size lift did you go with on your JKU? What it's a 2015 JKU, correct? Yeah, I went with, um, 35 inch tires and I have a 3.5 inch lift. And you didn't have to do any cutting or anything like that. Tires fit in there just fine. You, you take yeah. it off road. There's no rubbing, uh, between the body and the tires. Um, there is a, when I am like at super max flex in the rear, um, the Ruby rails will rub on the tires, um, which you need to, I really need to cut those, but it's like when I'm like at maximum 
flex. Yeah, but if somebody didn't have ruby rails or they took them off, oh, or yeah. as far as contacting the fenders of the body, you do 35s yeah. on uh, your three and a half inch lift. So, and, that's fine. Uh, and, and and you get good clearance on that. You do rocks. Uh, I know you do some uh, some muddy or at least water, uh, yeah. and uh, you got good ground ground clearance. So if you need a figure, there's uh, a JKU owner. Uh, did a three and a half inch uh, lift. Did, did you measure exactly how much lift you got out of that three and a half? I know the the Rubicon uh, uh, Express lifts uh, um, generally are have a bigger. They're bigger than what they a higher lift than what they've uh, they've actually. Yeah, they're said. a little little underrated. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. It's it's good no. to be conservative whenever you're getting a lift, but uh, if you're short, and, you might want to consider. <laughs> and I measured some. But I don't know where I wrote it. I, before my lift, I measured um, from the ground to my the bottom of my diffs. Oh yeah, that's a, that's an excellent down. thing. That's an excellent thing to do because that helps you know what right. actual lift you got out of it. Because when you put a thirty-five inch tire on it, the the difference between what you had on there and whatever the size, really the size thirty-five is, uh, you're only going to get half of that in the increase uh, the distance between the bottom of your differential and the ground. You know because you're only getting half the diameter of the tire right. as far as lift goes. Now I wrote this down. My rear axle is 10 inches and my front axle is nine and a half, but I don't know if that was before or after my lift. I didn't write before or after. Well, so yeah. Well, I you can, can go, measure it again and I can then go uh, measure again and see. Yeah. And if it's the same, you know, it's an after. So, right. so really, um, and, and I think it's important to say you don't absolutely have to have a lift. Your Jeep is very capable the way it is. Uh, and it's just going to make it easier for you to go up and over things and less likely to take that hard piece of metal that's attached to the entire Jeep, the axle, from uh, either pushing a lot of mud and, and you coming to a stop or uh, impacting on a rock and then having to, to pick a different line, which is always a possibility. You, you back up and try it again in a different, uh, different way. So you don't have to have a lift. But uh, if you do, prepare to have it done twice or do it twice because, generally speaking, Jeepers do more than one lift. So I'm just waiting for Tammy to, to do this her second one. Uh, give her a couple of years. Got to pay it off first. All right. So coming up next week, we're going to talk about what tire size can I fit. And you're going to see it goes right along with this, uh, how much lift uh, should I have. All right, Josh. I want to hear some good news. Well, you, you shall, my friend. Uh, it's not the best news, but it is good news. Uh, pretty much everything's in place. Oh, my God. Uh, pretty woo, much. Woo, woo. I hate that. Yeah. that pretty no, much isn't ready. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not 100% ready. I'd say I'm about 98% ready. So um, I want to make sure I, I, got, I don't have enough coolant, uh, and I don't, I'm not trying to run this thing dry. Uh, so I need to get some more coolant. Uh, i got to get some spark plugs, and that's about Oh, that's it, easy really. stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tammy says light, that's light easy stuff. The I can, like, you know, I can like, even do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's if, like, well, why don't you just grab the hose and pull those old if, spark plugs yeah. and put those in there? And if like, you nah, don't, nah. if it doesn't start this weekend, Josh, Tammy's going to give you a hard time <laughs> next Tammy's week. Tammy's going to fly out here. Because it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sneaking into Josh's garage. All right. Enough already. Yeah, no, no, everything, pretty much everything's in place. So uh, I'm, I'm very anxious. I'll it's, bet you it's are. been, you know, all, all this week after work, and it's like I've got a million other things to do, but oh, I got to go out there, spend a couple hours, you know, then dink around with this and fiddle around with that. Okay, I got that done, knocked out of the way. I got to get back into the house, you know, back over here, do this thing. So it's like every time it's been, I don't have enough time to finish this. 
Um, so it's, you know, I, I've got to put it off until the weekend or I got to put it off until tomorrow. And it's, so it's, so, yeah. so did you work on it today before? Uh, no, uh, no, it, it, it actually Thursdays for me are, it's a mad dash home through traffic and, and get in and immediately into the studio. To yeah, start yeah. I was going to say, I got to do that damn show tonight. I can't work on the Jeep. <laughs> no, believe me. I wanted to. I was just like, how cool would it be if everything was all said and done? And I just did my show from the Jeep, you know, it's like I'm out here in the garage tonight. And, uh, <laughs> you should do that. It's like, Josh, we can't uh, hear you. There's this noise. It sounds like an engine running. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Does that mean they're taking you so to jail? I, uh, somebody had uh, recommended to me that I do like a Facebook live thing or something yeah. like that for this. I'm not going to go through all that trouble now. I'm not going to, but I am, so am going to do, I am going to do a video uh, of the, uh, of, you know, the anticlimactic <laughs> turning the key and click, 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 you know, well, <laughs> you're afraid if you do Facebook live, you're going to go. If you had a, if you had a buddy that was good in theatrical pyrotechnics, that would be the ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> not trying to burn the garage down, napalm or not. All well, this is why the, the good it, part. He'd have to be good yeah. with it. <laughs> not some guy that goes, hold my beer, and then uh, lights something up. Yeah. Well, no, don't get me wrong. The, there's still a laundry list of things that uh, need to get done on this thing before it uh, it can hit the trail and stuff. Um, and and the tags are expired on it. It's been sitting in the garage for a couple of years. So I've, I've got to go through DQ and all that stuff before it can be road legal again. Um, and so there are a lot of hoops to jump through, some red tape and stuff as well. So I've um, got to get all the handled. But the important thing is to get it running. Yes, and that will happen this weekend. Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to hearing about that on uh, on next week. We should tease that. Well, <laughs> next week, you're going to hear the Jeep running. <laughs> oh, he just jinxed himself. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Well, hey, speaking, that out. speaking of things that are happening, what, what's happening with your transfer case? I, I hear in the wind there might be a decision that's been made. Uh, do, we, do we have a direction that we're going to go? You know, I've really been uh, thinking really hard about getting that, uh, that uh, transfer case, the 231, and putting it in there, but I think I'm going to. I'm about 75 to 80 percent sure. I'm going to try repairing the 242 one more time, and uh, this time I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and replace uh, uh, the what do they call it? A pilot bearing that's uh, oh, yes. that holds that uh, the the gear that's on the 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 drives the front drive shaft. I forget what mm-hmm. side that's called. Um, try changing out that uh, that pilot bearing and, of course, replacing a, a, a seal that's leaking a little bit. I don't think it's causing enough uh, loss to cause this uh, stretch chain issue. And uh, I know there's been – we've had a lot of discussion about what chain did I use. This is the chain you should use, so on and so forth. So I'll go to Novak and get that chain that you recommended uh, to go in there. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, it'll be good for the podcast because I'll be able to bitch and moan about why my chain stretched again and oh, how I'm geez. getting rid of that little uh, bastard uh, uh, transfer case and going with the 231. I can always get the 231 later. And uh, so I think I'm going to go that direction and uh, get it off road, use it. And uh, if it breaks, it breaks. And I'll, uh, you know, look at spending the money later down the road. I think it'll, it's going to cost me a couple hundred bucks and a few hours of my time. The the only I've changed I've changed that chain so often. I'm not even concerned about how much how much time that's going to take. Uh, I'm more concerned about getting that uh, that pilot bearing out because it, you know it, it fits flush into the transfer case. Always a little concerned about breaking that aluminum uh, uh, yeah. fragile aluminum transfer case. 
that's the thing is there there are some you know tried and true tricks out there for for getting those out if you don't have the the specialty tool to to make it happen um and, and one of those involves a fair amount of impact and i don't think that the that aluminum case can can take it but uh i mean if you if you shim things up right you're on the right surface everything's you know flat and level uh uh, maybe even you know on some softer material or something like that, you might be able to get away with it. But uh, uh, but yeah, the old uh, sh- shove a dowel in it and, and pound it out trick, I'm not sure it's going to work on the, in this case. But, that was really uh, interesting. I just knows? read about that the other day for the first time, where you you pack the bearing oh, with, the uh, with grease. Oh, I'm no, no, I've never heard the grease method. What's this? Uh, you pack that whole bearing with a lot of grease, and then you use a uh, a lot of the ones I read was you use a socket you uh, uh, that, that fits tightly in the bearings. And then uh, you you seal up that little square hole that you put the ratchet in. So basically, hydraulics. You start pressing that well, uh, yeah. that grease yeah, the, with with the socket. And uh, that, I, I thought it was a spitball method that you were referring yeah. to. Some people talk about using a wooden dowel, but other people say use a a socket that fits in that area real wood. And the the hydraulics of it forces that uh, that bearing up and out. So I guess um, you'd have to have to seal that socket up with something or another to make it good that's why i said the the dowel works really well if you can get one that has as close to an inside as close to, to that inside diameter of that bearing as possible mm-hmm. and then yeah like you said that hydraulic action you, you're basically just pounding that that pressure because the fluid can't compress any further it goes into the small itty bitty cracks you know spaces in between the the bearing and the case and just pushes the bearing out yeah i don't know I, you know when i read uh, or just use a dremel tool i went hey i got that <laughs> I can cut that thing out of there. That's that's really the only thing I'm worried about. I probably will uh, get a a bearing installation tool though because I th- I was thinking I could probably you know tap that thing in there, but I, I now that I'm thinking about it, I would uh, like to have something that's a little more controlled as far as pressing the bearing in. Uh, and I know they they sell those press uh, bearing pressing kits, so I may invest a little bit of uh, a little little change in uh, getting one of those uh, from Amazon. Yeah, I mean, you could always uh, uh, ask around some of the local machine shops or whatever. See if uh, one of the guys uh, can't just use a you know a press or That's something true. to help you out. Uh, hey, I'll kick you ten bucks or buy a six pack, something like that. Can you press this bearing in for me? Oh, I did get an email uh, from these conversations we've been having about uh, going with uh, the uh, the two thirty two. Uh, a very interesting uh, email from somebody. They said they didn't know if I had considered this or not. That it's uh, always possible that the uh, the uh, gears, the ring and pinion that was put in uh, when I went with the 456 gears, that maybe they were mismarked or they were sent out. So they grabbed the wrong ones and sent them out. Uh, and maybe I don't have 456 front and rear. And that oh, could be like causing... One might be 411 and one's 456. And, and the only reason that your transfer case hasn't been completely grenaded uh, up to this point is because it's a 242. Well, I was just thinking, even if it was uh, wildly different, a 242... Would make it not care, wouldn't it? Well, ish. Uh, I mean, there's only so much of that difference that you can overcome with that decoupler. Uh, but you know, I uh, I wouldn't think I, it was I, a 411. I would think it would have to be something closer to the 456. I would think it had to be pretty damn close. Next, that's the next gear size. Yeah, down I just don't. But it was an interesting idea. I had never even. It really considered is. That. Yeah, I mean, it, it. And I mean, if it's been several years since you've replaced your differential fluid, it might be worth sticking a finger in there and, and finding out if that fluid is, uh, you know, still good or not, or, or worth replacing. And and might be worth popping open the differentials and and uh, doing a little fluid swap and, and counting some teeth. I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, 
uh, I mean, might be worth just being able to check that off and, and okay, now I know. Well, That's you know, Steve, that. actually, I forwarded the email to, to Steve. I think you saw that email uh, that, yes, I, I that I received because he sent it to info at uh, jeeptalkshow.com, uh, which you can find over on our contact page. But anyway, um, I sent that over to Steve to find out what he thought of it. And uh, he said, well, you can just uh, get the uh, lift up the, the front and back end or one at a time and uh, spin the tires and see and count the the revolutions and you i think he said something about dividing it in half and you can actually uh, figure out what the the uh, the ratio is on those differentials the ring and pinion without actually having to break open the uh the housing which i thought that's pretty easy just lift it up put it on jack stands and spin the easy tires for you i was told there'd be no math <laughs> yeah that's true it's a lot of counting and stuff going on well, good, man. I'm, I'm glad that you kind of have come to a d- decision on that. At least you can kind of, you know, point the gun and shoot, as it were, and, and you know, head, head in that direction. Uh, uh, nothing's think, uh, for know, sure. <laughs> I could well, change my mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> I figured, you know, at least, you know, a couple hundred bucks, maybe two, two fifty or something in parts and, and a couple few hours of your time is, is uh, uh, at least a better option at this point versus $1,500 and, and a few hours of your time. So uh, that, to, be, uh, to be done with it, though. I know. I know. <laughs> And there's there's the bragging rights too. So yeah, this is a heavy duty two thirty one. I love my two forty two though. I'd re- I'd love to be able to use that thing. Tammy, anything to share with us tonight? I went off roading last weekend, and I had an absolute blast. And we're gonna have to get Nate on the show again because um, I went up to AOAA, and I went up there with a CPO, and. Um, Nate met Nate up there and he guided about, I think there were nine Jeeps and he took us on the W trail, which is a black trail. Um, so you guys are going to have to, um, check out my YouTube channel. Um, Nate and I had a little back and forth going on. It's Uh pretty funny, but yeah, I, I would really be curious to, um, talk to him and get his, um, opinion on my, screaming and oh my gods and are you sure i think i asked him are you sure like about 20 times in a row oh that's good Uh, i was off camber and looking at the video um because i shot from inside of my jeep and nate's friend blaine had nate's gopro camera and was shooting from the front of my jeep and then Chris had his, CPO had his camera, and he was shooting from the back of my Jeep. So outside so looking at the Jeep is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, that's good. Correct. So, and it's interesting for me to finally see that and to and hear myself, and you see the Jeep, and you're like, Tammy, <laughs> it's not that bad. But in the Jeep, I feel, I thought I was going to roll. I seriously yeah, thought I was going to roll. I know, I know. And you can hear it in my voice. And I'm looking at the video now and I'm like, oh my God, Tammy, that is nothing. But it's, you know, uh, only Jeepers know. Oh yeah. Because, Anybody that's you been know, off road, you, it, right. you, it's weird because you're used to being level, you know? Right. And, you know, and it just, it's hard to explain. And, and yeah. I don't think and there's just, any video that can capture what you no. feel. And actually, though, Nate, and uh, I think he shared with us his gimbal that he made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that that does show it to some degree. Yeah, I was going to say, it gets so, you a little closer for sure. Right. But, 
but it, it's not. I swear to God, I was going to roll my Jeep. So there and was it, an event. There was an event that uh, we were talking about last last season, last year, um, where and it's a fairly well known event. And I'm 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 sorry to the event coordinators if if you're out there listening to this and you're like, yeah, that's our event. I, I don't remember the name of it, but it, one of the features of this off road event was that they had this fully caged up Jeep that you could get in and then they tip you over. And oh. it's it's oh, called wow. the tip over Jeep. And yeah. and so and it's the way that it's set up is is that you can feel how far is too far. You know, right. so you know you know the difference between well I'm just off camber and oh here comes that tire, you know, and and so you, there's and you, that only comes with seat time. Unless right. you can get in and or you you are in that point of where you're teetering and it's like, oh, all I got to do is stick an arm out and we're going over, you know, type of thing, uh, which no, don't ever do. Uh, but, no. uh, right. uh, no. but yeah, you never know until you know type of thing. And and only yeah. Jeepers really know if you, what off camber is really like and just how far you can take that off camber. Because it's funny, my kids and my husband will watch the video and I'm like, look at this. And then they're looking at it like, yeah, so? I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't know. You had to have been you there. You get your ass out there and let's see how you right. think about it. And then you have these guys going, I don't, it's fine. I don't care. And inside they're yeah. just screaming their head like, oh my God. Right. <laughs> I'm going to wet myself. <laughs> I've got some great off-camera videos on my YouTube channel that, that you know, it's like, holy cow, how'd you pull out of that? You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like three-wheel motion, baby. Here we go. Jeeps yeah. are just amazing what they can do, where they can go. And it's just, it's just amazing. Never ceases to amaze me. I heard general Patton had one. He loved it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there's also another video, uh, where I'm going down. It felt like a super steep hill, but looking at the video, you're like, Oh my God, I literally screamed like I was on a roller coaster. Hey, those videos, the audio, if, if nothing else, uh, will you off road is very entertaining. I wouldn't change that a bit. Don't um, let the name don't let the name fool you. I mean the the name of that trail was Bunny Slope, but really yeah. it was pretty gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> and but you know, I I am afraid of heights. I'm afraid oh, of falling. Geez. I know. Uh, and and I people like why the hell did you buy a Jeep? I know. <laughs> I know. People people make somebody made that comment. It's like, why are you driving a Jeep? But people make comments and they're calling me a wuss and this and that. And I'm like, oh, but I'm still doing it. That's right. And I'm, you're having fun. Right. And yeah, I'm afraid of heights, but you know, I'm pushing through and that's the way I deal with my fear. You overcome stuff. Yes, people, exactly. People so. uh, are, are afraid of things and they get on roller coasters. That's one of the reasons why they do it is because either they're trying to overcome it or it's just fun getting out of their comfort zone. And, right. uh, and it's, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw this out there again. Uh, there'll be an emergency someday and you're going to be out of your comfort zone and because you have a jeep and because you've gone off road and you know what to expect you're going to be able to get through that emergency and get to wherever you need to go get to whoever right. you need to get to rescue whoever you need to rescue uh, i don't think i'm overstating this i think it's a good thing to know how to do those things indeed and when people make comments like that i just say look up the word courage in the dictionary you'll see a picture of tammy yeah me on <laughs> say you'll see a seven slot grill <laughs> Well, hey, you guys want to join in on the fun? You got something to say to us while we're kind of sitting here BSing a little bit? Well, you can join <laughs> the Camp Fireside Chat, too. All you got to do is go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and you'll find all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. 
Well, let's go ahead and roll right into some wheeling wear where we're going to talk about some events that are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation, guys. It's happening here very soon, sooner than I can even count, guys. Well, starting tomorrow as we record the show, it ends up uh, Friday, February 2nd to Saturday, Saturday, February 10th, the 12th annual King of the Hammers. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Johnson Valley, California. It's all going down. Ultra4Racing.com. The media coverage on this is growing every year. Last year, we had a ton of great footage coming out of the event. This year, going to be no different. Uh, check out Ultra4Racing.com for all of the King of the Hammers updates. Definitely some really cool off-road action there. Speaking of off-road action, well, it doesn't get any bigger and better than this. It's the Easter Jeep Safari Jeepers coming up March 24th through the 31st. Moab, Utah, of course, every year. For more information on this epic once-in-a-lifetime event, well, it happens every year, I guess, more than once, uh, we got to go over to rr4w.com. That's redrock4wheelers.com. They got all the info about the Easter Jeep Safari. If you don't know what it is, you don't know how to get there, you don't know how to get involved, but you got to go check it out. You definitely want to get involved in this one. Huge event every year. And this one was interesting. This one popped up on the radar that I had to share this is the California Four-Wheel Association Convention happening February 16th through the 18th, the weekend-long event down at the Riverside Marriott in Riverside, California. If anybody is within walking distance or driving distance of this hotel, I need you to call get answer this call to action. This year, apparently, it has a theme of steampunk for this convention, and there will not only be a table decoration contest, but check it out, also a costume contest. So this might be a good event to crash for the sake of the costumes, if nothing else. If you are going, well, we're going to need some pictures and some inside stories of how it went. Uh, if you want to find out information about this event, well, you can head over to calfourwheel.com slash events slash convention. And we're going to, of course, have all these links to all of these events in the show notes over at jeeptalkshow.com. Well, hey, do you know of an off-road event coming up? Well, shoot us an email with some details. Have you been to a Jeep event recently? Well, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to our contact page at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. There we go. <laughs> and coming up next week, our special guest interview will be Meredith Evasu with Extreme Terrain. Oh, that should be a good one. Hey, folks, and don't forget to follow me on my blog and check out my Jeep journey every week on www.jeepmama.com. And of course, if you need a product for your voice or business, please check me out at thevoiceofjosh.com. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Friend us on Facebook, circles like vultures on Google+. And above all, be sure to tell a friend about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. Warning, do not use the Jeep Talk Show in a manner that is other than prescribed. Podcasting is serious business, so kids, do not try this at home. Podcasting since 2010.